We squint at the sun because it's bright. We squint at people because they're not. The Kate Daly Show starts now. At BlackRock, we are forcing behaviors. If you don't achieve these levels of impact, your compensation could be impacted, okay? You have to force behaviors. And if you don't force behaviors, whether it's gender or race. Are over 120 patented pieces of evidence to suggest that the declaration of a novel coronavirus was actually entirely a fallacy. There was no novel coronavirus. Make sure that people can discern the truth from the misinformation. And we want to make sure that everyone understands that no one's safe till everyone's safe. No one is 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 safe. Hi, I'm Fox San Antonio's Jessica Headley. And I'm Ryan Wolf. Our, our greatest, greatest responsibility, responsibility is to, to serve our, our Treasure Valley communities. The El Paso Las Cruces communities. Eastern Iowa communities. Mid-Michigan communities. We are extremely proud of the quality, balanced journalism that CBS4 News produces. But man, you're never going to get any truth from us. We'll tell you anything you want to hear. We lie like... We deal in illusions, man. None of it is true. But you people sit there day after day, night after night, all ages, colors, creeds. We're all you know. You're beginning to believe the illusions we're spinning here. You're beginning to think that the tube is reality and that your own lives are unreal. You do whatever the tube tells you. You dress like the tube. You eat like the tube. You raise your children like the tube. You even think like the tube. This is mass madness, you maniacs. In God's name, you people are the real thing. We are the illusion. I know, I just had to play that again because it's that good. That clip of um, no one's safe, no one's safe. You're here, we're the government, we're here to help you. And, uh, and then, of course, the media all chiming in. No one is safe, no one is safe. I mean, these are the messages that you get to hear all the time. Susan will be back next week. And, uh, of course, I invite you to call in because I want to hear from you. Um, a lot was talked about in the previous hour about really where the virtual world begins and real life ends and what is crime and what isn't and where the lines are going to be drawn in these new virtual worlds that nobody wants to be a part of, probably listening, I would imagine. Um, but you're going to see a lot more people escape to the virtual world. And and then when is a crime a crime? When's an assault an assault? There's somebody that's trying to sue for their avatar being assaulted as if they were. So it is a big conversation to have because it goes then into the moral ramifications, what we value, what we don't, what's a crime, what's an actual crime. There's so much to unpack there. So if you want to comment on that, it's fine. There was a couple of things that I wanted to mention, wanted to play for you. Um, there's a couple of pieces actually from Paul Harvey that I wanted to talk about. And right along the same lines of talking about this virtual existence, I thought Paul Harvey's letter to his grandchildren was really, really good. And I, if you don't mind, if you'll indulge me, I wanted to read that to you because it's really what we're talking about. And I think all of us probably listening to this show right now have an idea about what we would like for our grandchildren, right? Or maybe if you don't have any grandchildren, grandchildren in general, okay? The future of, of the country and, and where people land in, uh, in liberty and what we experience. And I just thought this was so good to mention at the start of this year, because it's really what I have on my mind too. Um, Paul Harvey's letter to his grandchildren. 
We tried so hard to make things better for our kids. Now, this is from, I think, 19, in the 1950s, right? 1950s or 60s that he wrote this. Okay, a long time ago. We tried so hard to make things better for our kids that we made them worse. For my grandchildren, I'd like better. I'd really like that for them to know about hand-me-down clothes and homemade ice cream and leftover meatloaf sandwiches. I really would. I hope you learn humility by being humiliated and that you learn honesty by being cheated. I hope you learn to make your own bed and mow the lawn and wash the car. And I really hope nobody gives you a brand new car when you're 16. It'll be good if at least one time you can see puppies being born or your old dog put to sleep. I hope you get a black eye fighting for something you believe in. I hope that you have to share a bedroom with your younger brother or sister. And if it's all right, and it's all right if you have to draw a line down the middle of the room. But when he wants to crawl under the covers with you because he's scared, I hope you let him. And when you want to see a movie and your little brother and sister wants to tag along, I hope you'll let him or her. I hope you have to walk uphill to school with your friends and you live in a town where you can do it safely. If you want a slingshot, I hope your dad teaches you how to make one instead of buying one. I hope you learn to dig in the dirt and read books. When you learn to use computers, I hope you also learn to add and subtract in your head. I hope you get teased by friends when you have your first crush on a boy or girl and when you talk back to your mother that you learn what ivory soap tastes like. (laughs) May you skin your knee climbing a mountain, burn your hand on a stove, and stick your tongue on a frozen flagpole. I don't care if you try a beer once, but I hope you don't like it. And if a friend offers you a dope or or a joint, I hope you realize he or she is not your friend. I sure hope you make time to sit on the porch with your grandma and grandpa or go fishing with your uncle. I sure hope, or I, uh, may you feel sorrow at a funeral and joy during the holidays. I hope your mother punishes you when you throw a baseball through a neighbor's window and that she hugs you and kisses you at Christmas time when you give her a plaster mold of your hand. These things I wish for you, tough times and disappointment, hard work and happiness. To me, it's the only way to appreciate life. That's what we miss out on in these virtual worlds. And I, I really, after listening to Melissa, this came to mind because I thought, you know, what a great letter. What a great mentioning of things that you hope and pray that your kids experience to refine their character, make them better. That's what it's about, right? The refiner's fire. All those things kind of put you through the refiner's fire. And you look back on a, on a pretty full life. That's what I hope for our kids and grandkids. Paul Harvey also had a great piece on hard work. And if you don't mind, I'd like to play this for you. Um, This is about two minutes long. And it's so good because we've been talking about land today. We've been talking about, I was on uh, um, Alex Jones earlier talking with my state treasurer about this new land grab that is the worst, since the inception of the country, this is the worst thing that's actually happened. No one's talking about it. Media silence, Senator silence, Congress silence. Everyone's silent about it except for a few treasurers are speaking out. That's devastating. And most people don't know about it. And it comes to a vote January 18th. Then there's two weeks of rebuttal. February 1st is a telling date about the future of our country and who's going to own it. So when you're, when you're thinking about that, listen to Paul Harvey explain what really made this, this country, our country, 
besides for the Constitution, besides for the Bill of Rights, this was an important aspect when it comes to land. Here we go. But if Paul Harvey should state that our only chance for survival is to get off our dead centers and get to work, well, I'd be lucky if you'd let me finish. But I'm going to test my luck today. You see, I don't happen to be running for or from anything, and that does make a difference. The pregnant skyline of America was set in place one brick at a time. Now, that represents a lot of calluses. America the Beautiful is not an accomplished fact guaranteed to remain intact. God shed his grace on thee, to be sure, but this was wasteland when God had it to himself. He handed man a hoe and said, You want another Eden? All right, earn it. And all that's necessary for the weeds to take over again is for you and me to lay down that hoe. Now, Americans, the problem is less acute today than it has been. We're on the right track right now. But if we sit down on that track, I'm afraid we're going to get run over. We tell our young people how our country was carved out of the wilderness. <laughs> no, it wasn't. Our nation was not carved out of the wilderness. Our nation was hammered and hoed and chopped and dug and sawed and clawed out of the wilderness by barehanded men who asked nothing for nothing. America did not start out with an agricultural production that's the awe and envy of the world. It was seeded first by sod-busting farmers who fought Indians and ranchers and cold and heat and drought and bugs and flood and one another. The fruited plain sprang forth from barren acres only after they had been watered with a lot of sweat. I guess what I'm saying is that the more history I study, ours and others, the more certain I am that there is one fertilizer essential to the survival of civilization, and that fertilizer is sweat. And I don't mean perspiration. I mean the kind of steamy, streamy, salty sweat that's wrung from a man by hard physical work. Somehow, the sweat gets into the soil of a farm or a factory or a city or a state or a nation, and everything thereabouts grows tall and strong and tough enough to stand against any storm. But the day the sweat dries up, the soil dries up. Wow. It's great, isn't it? That was Paul Harvey. Hard work. The fruited plain. Hard work. Isn't that the truth, though, when you think about it? We're stewards of the land. And what is the deep state trying to do? Take that all away. Take complete and full control over our stewardship of the land. And when I went and saw that weird movie in Las Vegas, the one in the big world bubble that I told you guys about, it was so odd and strange, and the audio was weird, and it was all about... Um, the earth, mother earth has to heal. So you have to leave her alone for a hundred years and not touch her so that she can heal. And I was like, that's, that's not what the earth is for. Um, we're supposed to be stewards of that earth. We grow, our character grows. We build, we, we are able to do those things. It isn't to the detriment of the earth. It is, um, what the earth is actually for. And when I was watching that weird movie in Las Vegas, I think it was November, October. I can't remember when I went down there and saw it, but it was such a strange premise, you know, that these earth cultists are trying to share with everybody as far as that goes. And, 
live in a virtual world, um, eat fake meat, um, no farming and property ownership, and none of that means anything. We're, we get to control it all, and you just get to sit in your little virtual world and be happy. This is what they're trying to sell us all. Fake everything. There's nothing like putting your feet in soil. There is just nothing like it, right? And to not have that, we went from 95% farming and within 120 years, we're sitting here at five, well, now it's like 3% farming, 3% privately owned farms, 3%. It's really sad. We need to work on that. But I do love what Paul Harvey had to say in the letter to his grandchildren and also about hard work. Be right back. Kate Daly Show, katedalyradio.com for the podcast of this show. Be right back.